tuned into 9 to 5 Work Rebels with your host, Ebony Gale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 9 to 5 Work Rebels. I am your host, Ebony Gale. As you know, this channel is all about freedom seekers, goal getters. So whether you're in the 9 to 5, you're trying to figure your way out of the 9 to 5, you really escape the 9 to 5 and you're on your entrepreneurial journey, we explore uh, the entrepreneurial journey, money making, and of course, very important topic of mindset as well. And I am very, very excited to have with me today, Donna Campbell, who's an author and also known as the Mind Whisperer. Thank you for coming on today, Donna. And thank you for having me, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here today. You are most welcome. I am very excited to get stuck in with you now. So as a bit of background, Donna has a background in finance as a financial advisor, over 25 years of experience. And we're going to dip into that because what we want to know really is about her journey. Now, what I really want to know about is how you've gone from being a financial advisor, okay, to becoming a well-known mind whisperer. And then can you let us know what that's about as well? Okay. So when I was growing up, I was near the poverty line where I lived in Silicon Valley. And it was at the time of the women's liberation movement. And people, my mom especially, pushed me into professions and to do things because you could be in the man's world and do whatever you want to do. And I was so passionate about helping other people with their money that I chose to become a financial advisor. And then I went into management and was also a managing principal for the investment firm. So I managed $500 million of other people's money. That is a lot of money. A lot of money. And pressure. Right? No pressure, no stress, no worry. Just $500 million. But all of that. So that's exactly what happened. And I was in that career for about 10 years. And it broke down my health. And doctors, Western medicine, couldn't figure out what was wrong with me for a couple of years. And so I turned to natural medicine because I knew that there was an answer somewhere out there and ended up with an energy worker who did Chinese medicine and was a naturopath. I had no idea what she was doing, but um, I figured out and learned through her, I couldn't digest food. So I went two years not digesting food, being depleted of vitamins and minerals, which made sense to why when I went to the hospital, they would give them to me intravenously because I had very low levels. Why that didn't click and register, I'm not sure. (laughs) But I gave my health for the job because of the stress, the worry, the pressure, the anger, everything that I was holding inside, it destroyed my digestive system. And then I learned that there was something outside in my life that I couldn't digest that I because I wasn't internally digesting food. And that was when I learned about the indiscretions of my marriage with my husband at the time. And I left the marriage as I was getting healthier and my marriage ended for that. And then I went, all right, I have what's in common with all of this and there's something here. So then I went on my own little journey, moved to a ashram, which was a uh, spiritual living community, community, right? Yeah. Embody meditation, learn brainwave patterns, what physics, physical laws, how to do with spiritual laws and went on the study. So I met a medicine woman. I studied with some Buddhist monks, other natural healers. Fast forward. Here I am today, 11 years. I have an international practice 
sharing what I've learned, putting it together, working with clients, doing group programs, writing books um, about all of these things that I've learned to overcome and to use the mind for healing. Mm, That's really fascinating. Very fascinating journey you've had there. And the trajectory, I mean, you've gone from obviously the going through the health issues, that must have been quite a lot. And I think that's quite interesting and important that you touched on the um, correlation between the health and how that kind of impacts you, you know, all over and stress, because stress and the components of stress and the, and the fact that, you know, it's all affects your body. And that's, I talk to friends and family about that so often, say when you're holding stress, you hold it in areas of your body, but you're not always aware of that. So that's right. really interesting that you had to go through all this to find out. Exactly. And you're exactly right. Our awareness is only about 10% of our entire beingness. Mm. We know this because scientists measured Albert Einstein's brain and he was aware 10% of the time. Yeah. Well, I'm not Einstein, but <laughs> the other 90% just using whole round numbers is deep in the subconscious. Yeah. And you know that energy that's going out because it doesn't register. Mm. And it's exactly what Nikola Tesla said when he that said, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, vibration, and frequency. And that's what our emotions and feelings have, which yeah. goes to stress, pressure, worry, all of that. And you don't always recognize you're in that state. Yeah, absolutely. You get out. Yeah, absolutely. It is very, very interesting because, um, as you said, we are operating on a frequency level. And not everybody, like you say, is necessarily aware of that. Uh, and it's really important because when I talk about mindset, I always try and talk to, so I do coaching with clients and um, I'm a PR strategist, so I wear different hats. But when I'm coaching with clients and we're talking about, you know, trying to move them out of a, a particular area that they're going through, it is almost about having to switch stations like you would a radio you know you're changing your frequency because and you don't realize that the frequency that you have you're then attracting that same frequency back to you right which is what you talk about in your book and you know that that, that's important to be aware of that and um I thought that was really interesting I wanted you to tell us more also about your um about the thought form energy healing because you referenced that in the book and I I found that really fascinating yes So people often also ask, what does it mean to be a mind whisperer? And it has to do with the thought form energy healing, because what we do is we start with your conscious thoughts, exactly where you are at in the present moment. And we find the thought behind the thought, behind the thought, behind the thought that started the whole train reaction of all of these thoughts. And then because we get to the heart of where that thought started in the event, we can look under it and go, oh. Here's the emotion and feeling that we felt under the thought. And it's the emotion or feeling that needs to change because that will propel the thought forward in a new direction to return the result that you were asking for, which is what I call and what the media calls me as the mind whisperer, because I have that ability to change that energy frequency Mm. at that point in time. So your thought goes out with a different energy. So it's all about this inner alignment yeah. that happens because the law of attraction says your thoughts create your reality, yeah. but you have these thoughts. I am abundant. I'm abundant. I'm abundant. Yeah. And the abundance yeah. doesn't come. Doesn't it's like, come. What yeah, yeah. It's because of the feel, the it's energy behind that. that right. Yeah. That so I think that's been. important. That's interesting to, to acknowledge as well, because yes. you have all these questions going around about, you know, the secret and people saying, yeah. yeah, well, I do say it and I do the mantras and I do it and I do it. And 
Yeah. yeah, like you said, it's the disconnect because you said that in the book. And I thought that's so true. You know, you start doing these mantras, but until you kind of tap into it and understand it's about connecting with the emotion, because I, uh, I, I kind of, I definitely get that because like listening to Abraham Hicks, for example, like I, I'm a big fan. And I think it's really interesting because she always talks about tapping into that and understanding the feelings behind it. And I suppose that's what you're, you're doing. You're kind of picking away at that and trying yeah. to get them to reach into that. So even when they, even once someone becomes aware of, say, for example, I like that in the book you mentioned um, to go back to childhood, you know, because a lot of our thoughts and our feelings come from what we were shaped in our childhood. Um, and obviously that makes a lot of sense. But then what about when you've got blockages in your childhood? Like, do you find it's hard for the people to kind of really go back and take the layers off to get to what really is the issue? You know, sometimes it can be because you don't want to look at it or address it, or you feel like you fear that you have to re-experience it again. And you don't because you only have to uncover what you remember feeling. And it's so interesting with financially fit in the beginning, where I talk about the, um, the beliefs and the feelings and that happens from that you get from the parents or the people who raised you. But a lot of that is taught energetically. And you absorb it in your energy field. And that's the piece that gets hidden that we don't know. So consciously, we can think, well, yeah, for me, my parents said, you know, money is an intimate topic. Don't talk about it. You don't share it. You don't ever tell anybody how much money you have or you don't Mm -hmm. have. or, or, or. But for them, it was about covering up the embarrassment of not having. So you didn't share that outside. So even though they told me those things, I felt it. And yeah. so I always felt like I had to cover everything up. And right. that's what I learned in the 90%. Right. But it's all about just recognizing that it's there. And the conscious awareness is where we start. And once you can identify through the awareness, it's changeable. Ooh, interesting. And it's about just trying to change your, is it changing your perception towards that? So in, essentially, say, for example, we can take a, you know, a uh, makeshift character, let's say Barry, you know, Barry in his childhood um, experienced the situation where his parents were uh, really hard workers, but definitely was always saying money doesn't grow from trees. Um, you know, uh-huh. they would definitely cater to him as much as they could, but he couldn't get everything that he wanted to. And so as an adult now, his attitude is money doesn't grow in trees. And so right. he, he's not necessarily thinking abundantly. With that sort of, what kind of work would you say someone like that should do for themselves to kind of shift, essentially, without giving a full session, you know, like top tips? So what I do is I work backwards from that that whole scenario. So Barry, today, Barry, what would you like to change about yourself? Right. Well, I'm going to have more. Well, more what? Well, more money. Well, okay, I'm comfortable where I'm at, but I want the extra. Right. I want to have a little bit more. Well, how does it feel not having it? Well, I'm kind of really frustrated. All right. Where do you feel it at in your body? Oh, it's in your stomach. Okay. Mm. Well, when did you feel that in your stomach when you were little? When did that first happen? Mm. Oh, the, the memory that comes since I was nine, my parents got divorced and everything got divided up. We were comfortable as if family, two separate families, but we never had the more. Mm. And that's where the awareness happens. Oh, what did you need instead? Oh, I wanted to be uh, happy and have a sense of accomplishment. And I want to, you know, feel respect. And his reason why was that his sons were getting ready to go to to college from high school. 
and they wanted to do some things as a family and needed the extra income to do that mm. before they went. So he had a good reason. It was a relationship reason. Yeah. And right. when we made that shift in that change, he relooked at that childhood memory and went, oh, I'm not frustrated anymore. My parents aren't playing tug of war with me. I'm like really happy. And I'm riding my bicycle down the street playing with my friends. Huh, this is so different. And when he put his awareness back to his stomach, the gut, the knot was gone. And this was in front of a live audience. Mm. It looked like he lost 20 pounds. Oh, wow. Yes, he created the more with his sons, for his sons, and they were able to do everything. And now they're going, they're graduating high school now, and they're going to college. Oh, lovely. So, so going back, I work backwards, yeah. but if remember money doesn't grow on trees, ask yourself, money is a form of energy. So what does grow on trees? Leaves, fruit, yeah. flowers. So energy grows on trees yeah. and you take that energy and exchange it for money if it's a fruit tree. Um, maybe you need it for wood to build a house. So mm-hmm. that does get exchanged for money. Yeah. So money does grow on trees, energy yeah. grow on trees. And that's another way to shift that awareness. Shift because I heard that often, money doesn't grow on trees. I heard that all the time. I kind of switched How many online. Images well, of money, you see yeah. them holding like a pile of money with a tree growing out of it. Well, then you see and, images like that. That's a little bit of a conflict. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I suppose I use But identify, if you heard that phrase, yeah. money doesn't grow on identify how that really made you feel. For me, I would dream of, oh, what if there were $1 bills for leads? What if I could just pluck them off because I had a vivid imagination? But if it didn't make you feel good or less than like, oh, money doesn't grow on trees, so we don't have anything. Um, there's trees outside, but there's no money on them. So I'm going to be broke or I'm going to be lack. Identify how that feels and then identify how you want to feel. To feel. Yeah. And then you can start changing and shifting that perception. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a inside job, as you said in the book. And I believe that's a good case. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. So as you can see, I'll keep plugging the book. So definitely guys, definitely go and look out for her book. It is called Financially Fit. And uh, we're going to, as we, we've been speaking about the book, but what led you to then share this book? Was it a case of a lot of clients coming to you? You felt like I'm going to put this in, you know, paper form so people can, you know, buy it or, you know, was it that kind of drive to do that? What was really interesting was I work with, I've been working with clients for the last 11 years and I have an international practice. Mm -hmm. And there was a common theme that I started hearing over the last couple of years of, I want to know that I'm enough that I was valued, that I'm appreciated, um, that I'm worthy of these things that I'm asking for. And then one day it clicked. Those are the same words we used in the financial services industry. Mm. Here is your net worth. Your portfolio value is, do you have enough money to fund XYZ goal? And if you didn't feel like you were enough on the inside, you didn't receive enough on the outside. outside. So I started putting it together in book format going, this is a something that needs to be shared with the world and to create a foundation. And then of course I can have programs, group programs where people can go through them to learn how to do this for themselves, because it's time for the world to evolve and become a better place. Yeah. What's interesting is that clients fall into one of three categories. They either want better health, increased wealth or enhanced relationships. Yeah. And it didn't matter what category I was working in. 
if they wanted to feel like they were enough in a relationship and they received the love that they, des- that they deserved, their money supply changed also. And they started receiving more money because they're interconnected and interrelated. Right. And I, I just went, I have to do this a little bit differently and let's reach the masses and go from the individual to the global sh- scale and, and share it with the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can understand you wanting to do that. And sounds like you have a number of other books within you because this one focused on financially and you just mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the health and relationships. So do you plan on yes. doing some more around that too? Absolutely. I have, and I'm in the process of starting to write the second book on relationships. And then I'm going to publish that um, at the beginning of 2022. And then I'm going to take the next year and I'll publish the next one for 2023 on health. So I'm shown three different books on three different categories and then the programs that come with it. Oh, brilliant. And what's great about that is it's like you said, it's great. It's applicable to people in all walks of life because it's a common theme that you've, you've noticed throughout your year, which is really interesting. So I also wanted to ask you about, you know, what, what really made you take the leap of faith to go down the spiritual path? Because obviously you mentioned at the start, you went and you lived in an ashram um, and you also um, learned from a yogi and would love to hear more about that and learning about the brainwaves. And that must be really fascinating and completely, completely uh, a 360 from what you were doing. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Please do let us know about that. So when I was living in the ashram, I was actually in a partnership with another person and he and I were planning on getting married or anything, but we were partners and that we were going to live the spiritual life together. Right. Well, when we left the ashram, he, I met a medicine woman. I started studying with her and he decided to become physically abusive to me. And the medicine woman taught me the strategies she called pivot and shift. And she applied it to me on a physical level. If, because she knew the context of the situation that I was in and that I was probably going to need to leave. And she said to me, you know, if you're in the room and the energy isn't what you like, and it's starting to feel angry, move, get up from where you're sitting, stand up, walk across the room, get a glass of water, wash your hands. If you need to leave the room or leave the house. Because every time you physically get up and move, it changes the energy of the room and it will diffuse the situation. Mm. That kept me safe. And then, um, of course, one day I realized that um, I needed to leave. He had his hand around my throat. He cut off my airway and was ready to knock me out. And before I took my last breath, he took his hand off, pulled me up and said to me, picked up his exercise board on that was on the floor. And he said, it's your turn. Hit me with this. Oh, I deserve wow. it. And I looked at the board and I looked up at him and I said, I can't do that. And I put it down and I walked out forever. Good for you. And Good that you. was my moment. And the next day or so I put a plan together is what I did. And then I left and drove and drove back to where I started. And all the while making a promise that as myself and my children were kept safe, I would continue and follow this path and the healing that comes with it and then share it with others. And since then I've dedicated my life to doing this because it was my own life. I was my own first client that I got to work on and to share. And then that pivot and shift strategy 
I quickly figured out with some other things the medicine woman taught me how to do it on an emotional feeling level instantaneously. And that's what I teach and share today. Um, Because once you change the feeling inside the way it creates in our body, it's an instantaneous result. And you can have exactly what you're asking for in the moment by utilizing the process that I put together with all the things that she taught me over those months. And that's all within the book, isn't it? All the tips and stuff that you've yeah, given. Yeah, some of it's in the book, yes. in there, And others yeah. they can come and get in touch with you for, which is yes. good, which mm-hmm. is great. And on the herbal journey, that must be quite interesting for you as well. Because, yes. you know, I always think, you know, you should go back to basics and, you know, the roots are basics. You know, the herbs is where it comes from, you know, culturally from mm-hmm. my background, um, you know, like family-wise, they still use herbs. We still use herbs and things like that. So I think that's so important. And people don't realize how much you know medicine is, is based on that anyway so I suppose that was an important part of your journey your healing um from your stomach <laughs> issues and where you mentioned being in hospital and things like that so was you anti-herbal at first or was you kind of like you know did you have an opinion about that kind of space in the spiritual world was your what was your mindset like being a financial advisor initially would you uh-huh. have said to your to younger you younger Donna, you know yes. in finance would she have been interested in this at some point in her life or was it a case of you might have thought well no well when I was growing up I always had this intuitive sense and these and certain skills and abilities but I thought I had to live in the worldly sense um, because that's what my parents wanted for me that's what society said so I went off course and lived what I thought they wanted me to live but it never fit and it was never right and in the financial planning world you would sit there and you would talk to the clients and you could feel their energy. You knew when they were going to buy, you knew when they weren't, you knew if you weren't in the right energy and they felt like you were needy or clingy and needed to make the sell because we were commission based Yeah, that they would feel that and probably back away from it because they weren't going to trust you with their money. Yeah. So you had to develop trust and all yeah. of that. with them. So financially fit for me, writing that book was all of the stuff I wish I knew before I was a financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I did that and then became a financial advisor which I guess you could do today but I'm not going to go through the testing to, to do that to get yeah. my securities licenses re- uh, reinstated but um, you know it would be a whole different world and then you would know what to do and how to work on a client or how to shift them out of the energy to get them out of fear to trusting the investment trusting and yeah it'd be a yeah. whole different world Definitely. And it is interesting because like you say with that, because if you're in that fear mode, then, you know, you're in the fight yeah. flight, aren't you initially? So you're Absolutely. not even operating at a level of where you're, you're even really processing that information adequately, you know? <laughs> so, and money yeah. is such an intimate topic for people. It really is. It, it really is. is. It really is. It's interesting because I said that because I've got a book and it's more about being a consultant. And I mentioned when it comes to about setting fees and I may even do talks about setting fees. And people always get, you know, a bit anxious about it. And I think it's because it's always a taboo situation and a topic. And particularly even in England, you know, it, you know, it's the upper lip is that let's not talk about the finances at certain points, you know. So, but then if you're working for yourself, you have to be able to discuss finances and you've got to be able to go to clients to charge them. And then obviously there's a personal way you look at finances as well. And that all has an impact on how we are and how we operate in the world. So I think it's really, really interesting. So uh, what I also wanted to ask you about your journey is what did you find the most challenging on your journey? Because you've done a lot. I mean, you've, you've definitely pivoted and you've learned a lot. So what did you find the most challenging 
and most eye-opening in terms of the uh, spiritual path of learning. Right. What I find most challenging, my goodness, how to share not the process necessarily, but how we can obtain these results just by shifting and changing some things on the inside. Because in society, we are so used to going out and doing something to obtain a result. And the shift is not going out and doing something, but sitting and being. When you're doing, that's the 10% action step. When you're being, that's the 90% in the subconscious. So it's a complete paradigm shift, not I mean, for me as well, but sharing that with others, because people will say, well, on a session, what do you do? And my client will say, well, I don't have to do anything. And they're like, what do you mean? She goes, I just sit there and we talk and she, I say yes for the things I want. And then I go live and then it happens. And they're like, no way. (laughs) No, it's a whole paradigm shift. And you don't have to do anything for that. She's like, no, no, I don't. She doesn't give me homework. It's not coaching. It's not this. I just say yes to the things I want. And there it is. Because that's what I do as a mind whisperer. Yeah. I change that for you so you can get those results. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you get a lot of skeptics. Is that also quite a challenge Sometimes. for you? But doubt, doubt is a huge blocker, fear, and disbelief. And I do talk about that a little bit in Financially Fit as well. Yeah. You have to have faith, trust, and belief. But you yeah. only have to have that faith, trust, and belief three to 6% of the time, because I carry the rest of that. Mm. And then it changes. So okay. if you can just open the mind and have 3% faith that, hey, this could just work, mm. it'll work for you. It's interesting, because I always say the mind is super powerful and people, we don't know how powerful it is, you know. Exactly. Um, and we have, we've just literally scratched the surface. And we don't realize how powerful the subconscious mind is. So I feel like reprogramming that is so key to everything because even when I talk to people who come on this channel and you know through different walks of life and particularly those who have shifted say for example from a, a full-time to a nine-to-five type working and working for themselves and it's a mindset shift in itself you know that in itself is a challenge to you and the way you think because you're coming out of almost like a, a factory you know like you're on the you're on the the, the, the line and it's going around and you're used mm-hmm. to doing nine-to-five and whatever else then you're right. working for yourself and it's a whole new paradigm in terms of how you operate within mm-hmm. that so like it you is. said, it's so key to tune into that from the, the mindset point of view. So that's really, really interesting. And of course, um, as you talk about manifesting and you'll talk about being financially fit, we talk about money on this channel. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, passive income streams are really, really important for us. Yeah. And we'll see people talk about that all the time. And so is that anything, is that something that you recommend as well? Do you have other streams of passive incomes? Um, and what do you find most profitable if you are doing things like that? Wow. Um, yes, I do have other streams of income that I do have outside of my own business. I do have a side business as well. Yeah. Um, which it goes back to, uh, network marketing actually. And the one that I'm involved with is called seven K metals. And it's where you can buy gold and silver because gold and silver is tangible and value and it will increase in value. You can hold it, you can touch it. And so it's a program that you can buy through, but if you enroll other people, of course, um, you know, how that works. And I built mine to the um, 
through that I don't have to do anything in that. I just get paid and I get a Bible silver when I choose to. So I'm also increasing and I can use that to buy it when I choose. And if I want to use it on something else or go on a vacation, and then I have a tangible object I can sell later if I choose as it goes up in value. So I do have other streams of income like that. Of course, the book provides a stream of income, programs, client sessions, all of the things. Well, I expect nothing less from someone with a financial investment background. So <laughs> you've got the advantage of right. So yes, right. you will definitely so. have. And you, like you said, you've also gone through that rough trajectory, like you mentioned, you know, going for divorce and having issues. So of course, once you've been hit by financial challenges, it definitely kind of focuses you in, doesn't it? It makes you think about right. what else can we do, right? Oh, great. And then what would you say are your top tips for living an abundant life? Well, some of my top tips. First, happiness is on the inside and it's not outside of you. And if you're trying to purchase something to fill how you feel on the inside, that's going to only be temporary. But when you are good, whole and complete through happiness and you know that's on the inside, everything in the outside world changes. Mm. So when you, when you, um, buy something it's saying that I'm trying to feel a need or something because I don't feel whole and complete inside outside of our basic necessities or Mm. something we want or maybe that we need it but it's the excessive um spending there that uh people do it all the time and they use food for it they shop they do different things trying to feel something emotionally inside yeah but happiness is on the inside first Mm. and if you want to know and learn what makes you happy Get a happiness journal, get a journal and write down at the end of every day, all your happy moments, because when you're happy, happiness will breed happiness. And then you do that every day for a month and you look through it, you know exactly what brings you happiness. So you just keep doing those things. Yeah. And I'm going to guarantee you, you probably didn't write down that you went shopping or that you went to the grocery store and bought extra food. (laughs) Probably don't write those things down. I've done this myself. I did sound like that what really made me happy and it was a lot about relationship building and at the time my son was in the military so I would get a letter from him that was like extreme happiness yeah, that must have been really you know yeah. so it wasn't yeah. the the bonus that I got you know or something else yeah. it wasn't there yeah yeah it's interesting and that's what you talk about as well within the book about the correlation between money and happiness and I think it's really interesting because I think money can make you comfortable um money can can make afford a comfortable life for you um but yeah there are still rich people who are not necessarily happy but for those who are who are not got access to money i can see how they can think that um because of the way the world markets things towards us because Mm -hmm. everything is about material it's not about getting in touch with your inner self and looking to like getting into alignment and understanding that you know it's all about really you know me 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 and do you have this and do you have that and do you have you know and look at the young people like my daughter's um, teenage and I always think well isn't it interesting the amount of pressure that they have to face you know growing up yes like in this society that we, that, that we have now you know it's, it's really interesting so relationship with money and the way you think about it is, is is definitely key and so I also obviously it's nine to five web rebels I want to find out what are your thoughts on um the sort of nine to five culture um on society on the impact on our mental health wow um nine to five is never really nine to five Mm-hmm. Because if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, even in like the financial services industry, you have to show up 
mm-hmm. um, and work. And then you show up earlier because you have more things to do. Sometimes you work later yeah. than yeah. that. And if you have an actual structured nine to five job, what happens is, is before you start work, you start thinking about and going to work in your mind yeah. before you physically get that. And when you leave, what do you do? You reflect on your whole day about those eight hours and you're not present in the moment. So to keep to a strict time schedule like that, I guess on one hand can be structure and organization, but if it's consuming your mind thoughts before and after, you're not on a nine to five schedule. And for me, being a business owner and running my own business now, I'm not tied to the office from nine to five. I have a little bit more freedom and flexibility. So if I wanted to take a day off in the middle of the day, I can, I just mark it off my calendar. I might make the time up over the weekend, but you do do that and you have still a balance and it's a different internal balance, but I'm not consumed now with, I left work and now I'm thinking about work for the last, you know, three hours before I go to bed. Um, So I think there's pros and cons to it and you really like, um, I'm just not that structured and with clients all around the world, sometimes I am on the phone at nine or 10 o'clock at night because they're in Malaysia. Yeah. Yeah. But that works for you because of the way that you created your life, right? Yes. I think that's the important point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so what advice would you give someone who is in a similar situation that you was, you know, someone with a really high pressured career, but was really, is feeling really stressed out and experiencing maybe some life challenges and maybe looking for a way out. You know, what, what would you, what advice would you, give, would you give them? First, recognize that you're in that state of being. And then to change that, one of the things that you can do is a quick little breathing exercise. That's really simple. Might take a minute or two. When you're starting to feel the stress and the pressure of the activity, it's going to take you longer to finish it because you're consuming your energy instead of giving yourself energy. And by this little breathing technique, it can change and refocus the mind. And it's going to give you more clarity, um, more focus when you take these one to two minute breaks. And then when you come back to work or to regroup, you get it done faster and more efficiently. So it's really simple. When you breathe in, you're breathing in oxygen, which is all the good things and that the body needs. Mm-hmm. And when you breathe out, you're breathing out carbon dioxide, all the toxins and the things that the body doesn't need. Mm-hmm. So you would just close your eyes. And when you breathe in, you're going to breathe in the good things that you want. Focus, clarity, um, balance, maybe it's calmness. Mm-hmm. And when you breathe out, you're going to breathe out stress, pressure, worry, whatever that emotion was that you felt in that. And it just looks like this. Clarity, stress. Clarity, stress, and it will change your mindset. It will do a quick little cleaning through the body. And then you sit back down. And then next thing you know, you have clarity and you're done within a matter of minutes. Yeah. And the stress isn't there. And it, it just changes the mindset. I think it does. I think people don't realize how effective meditation can really be. You know, like I've, I try and do it as much as I can. I'm not great at it, but I try and do like a morning, if, you know, like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes in the morning. But yeah, yes. if I find if I am stressed out or even if I look back at, you know, being at uni or being really stressed, I will have to take a minute at time just to take a breather. But I don't realize that I'm actually probably doing what you're doing, but now I'm a bit yeah. more intentional with it. 
but you yes. know you, you look back on your life you think you, you was kind of doing things but you just wasn't really connecting the dots at times you know mm-hmm. every two or three hours I do this oh, I set so. a timer on my phone uh for one to two minutes so when it goes off I'm done and then yeah. because of how it works yeah and it helps to refocus you yeah. that's amazing so what do you say inspires or motivates you what keeps you going at the moment nature yeah <laughs> being outside I love yeah. to be outside and um just being not necessarily alone I'm around other people but having that connection time to myself right and I love to do it out in nature and that's what really gets me inspired yeah. and going and then yeah. I, I have children's so they, they keep pushing me forward oh that's always nice and then we're getting to my wrap-up points but I really wanted to um, touch on things like um recommendations or tips on how to manage sort of self-limiting beliefs you know that internal mind war that a lot of we deal with daily because I talk to people about this a lot I remember reading something and it was something like um the majority of our thoughts are negative so therefore we have to work harder to be positive I thought with something like 75 over 75% of our thoughts are negative and, in, and when you think about it in that context, it's just like, wow, well, that, you have to work so much harder to get yourself going. So I always ask people, like, how do you guys manage the internal mindset war, that self-limiting belief, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're right. A lot of people do. And when you start asking yourself, how do I feel? People will identify how they feel. And when you ask, what is the benefit from feeling a good thing? Often they will say, well, when I feel um, expansive, what I don't have are, and then they say all of the negative things. All right, yeah. And you're yeah. like, no, 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 no. What are the good things, good things. for feeling, yeah. you know, what you feel? So it's asking yourself, how would this feel if it felt good? Yeah, and yeah. there are a couple of words that you can probably strike from your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And that's the no, don't, won't, can't shoulda, woulda, coulda, mm. because those are all going to have a negative connotation applied to it. So if you were to take out those words, you have to rephrase what you're saying in a positive way. Yeah. So instead of saying, I don't want to have any more children, mm. that's saying what you don't want. You affirm yeah. it how you do want it. Mm, which is you choose not to, you know, which is right. different, right? Exactly. You're owning it a bit more as well, right? Right. Because yeah. when you say, I don't want to have any more children, this happened to me. I had one more child because <laughs> I heard what yeah, I didn't want. It. So I yeah. brought it to creation. That's so Rather true. Than saying, you don't have to say anything um, really in that. Or you can just say, I have plenty of children. That's true, actually. You're so right. Cause I forget that bit because they do say, you know, whether you put the don't or you, whatever you put, the, when you put the I. You're affirming what you don't You've already put that out in the, in the, in the universe. So, yeah, you've got to be really careful. And the universe will bring you what you don't want you because don't it want. just doesn't understand that part right it just understands you here's you say i want or and that's it i and then what it is it you know it comes after interesting and that's really interesting. with the shoulda woulda couldas you're forming a regret well i could have done it that way well yeah. in the moment that you did it you did the best that you could now you have new information maybe four days later two years later mm. and that's when we reform the regret but you yeah. did the best you could in the moment. You didn't think, oh, I'm going to do this the worst possible way I can. No, yeah. you did the best that you could. So take out the shoulda, woulda, couldas, and the don't, won't, no, can't. And yeah, then affirm. So wow. Yeah, that's so important. And it's so, and how do you keep yourself on track with that when you first started? Because you, <laughs> you, know, you know, you kind of, like, I find myself doing it. And then there's times I, I slip up. So 
Yeah. It's, it's an ongoing thing, right? Yes. It's an awareness thing for me. And then also all the years of listening to clients on the phone, mm. when I hear it, I know. Yeah. And because of that, and that practice doing it every single day, I've gotten fairly good at not okay. acknowledging what I don't want. Do I still slip up? Absolutely. I'm not hundred percent there, but <laughs> it's that awareness of, wow, where did that come from? How come I feel that way? And I'm always assessing how I feel. And yeah. if I don't feel like I'm imbalanced or I have a little bit of stress, I have to stop and go, this is not our natural state of being. And I refocus, I use a breathing exercise or something like that. And then Good. I continue on. So you get yourself back to realignment. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So looking back on your journey and everything you've been through, would you do it all over again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Someone asked me one time, if there was anything that I would change in my past, would I change it? And I think back even to uh, the abuse and things like that. And I would not change one thing because it was those events and those things, those, the pain that allowed me to recognize the gifts that I have today. Mm -hmm. And it's all about discovering, releasing, and transforming that pain to get to your silver lining gifts. And if some of those things didn't happen, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this with you today. Yeah. Because it's a part of the process. I would do it all over again, knowing that this is the result. Yeah. Hands down, I'll do it all over again. Oh, that's so nice to hear as well. And it's good because obviously you have been through a lot. And I think that's true. A lot of growth and, you know, uh, comes out of pain you know so much different growth and development and you can see that with what you've discussed and now we can just be in our gifts and have a lot more growth without the pain without the pain absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely absolutely so I wrote my own mantra years ago when I was going through all of those life events and it said trust and you will see believe and you will know have faith all is well follow your heart and spirit will lead you and it, to this day, I still use that. I still recite it. And it's about being and staying in that energy and just knowing what you asked for is on its way on if its, it's way. not here now. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us about your book and your journey. I think it's been really, really interesting to hear your story. And where can people go to find out more information about you? To find out more about me, you can go to my website at DonnaCampbell.com. And if you like social media, I'm on Facebook, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Feel free to reach out to me there too. And great. And if they want to grab a copy of your financially fit, is that on Amazon, right? Yes, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. And if you wanted an autographed copy, you can go to financiallyfitbook.com, order one from my website, and I'll sign it and mail it out to you. Brilliant. There you go. There you go, folks. So definitely do get that book and check out more of what Donna has to say about growing and, you know, becoming a better you and living an abundant life. Okay. So thank you so much. And Donna, thanks so much for being here, coming on and sharing your journey. And I'm sure we'll get you back on in the future to talk about other books that you've got to share that. That'd be great. All right, then. Thank you so much for having me. It would be a pleasure and so much fun. Thank you. Hi, 9to5 Work Rebels. If you're feeling stuck or looking for a way out of your 9to5, then you're going to want to check out my online course, How to Be a Successful Consultant, Earn More and Escape the 9to5. You can also check out my book, How to Become a Consultant, A Guide to Free Yourself from the 9to5. 
If you're already in business or about to start your business, then you're going to want to check out my online DIY PR course, How to Get Media Coverage for Your Business in 30 Days. It will teach you how you can blow up your profile and profits while saving you thousands of pounds in agency fees in the process. So what are you waiting for? Get busy. The links to both the course and the book are in the description box.